Hi, welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 96, Small and Simple Things. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. You get to hear from me two days in a row. If you haven't listened yesterday, I actually did an episode yesterday, which I never do. Um, but there was such awesome content from last week with Elijah. And I also taught a gospel doctrine class, so I kind of prepared more. And so I decided to just do another episode. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, make sure you go and do that because it's, it's well, if I do say so myself, it is awesome. But mostly it's the content. It's not me. Um, go listen to that. First, though, go listen to, you'll see it, it says Elijah Correction, because I did say something wrong. <laughs> so before you listen to yesterday's episode, which is What Doest Thou Here, listen to that correction. So when I say the wrong thing, you know what it is. But that episode, it's all about what the Lord would say to us when we are feeling lonely and frustrated and defeated and all of those feelings, what he does for us, and then what he says to us. So. If you're feeling any of those feelings, definitely go listen. Or if you know anybody who's feeling those feelings, because I think the story of Elijah, especially kind of toward the end of our chapters from last week, addresses that so, so well. So there's my plug for that. Okay, this week we are learning about the prophet Elisha with an SH, Elisha. <laughs> and the chapters we're studying this week is kind of, it's it's just a lot of miracles that he performed. So we're going to focus in on one of those miracles and talk about how it can apply to us. There was a man, his name was Naaman, and he was captain of the host of the king of Syria. And apparently he was he was a great man, he was honorable, and he was a hero. He had given deliverance to Syria, but he had leprosy. And Naaman's wife had a little maid, it says, and this little maid knew about the prophet Elisha. And she told Naaman's wife that surely Elisha could heal Naaman. So they talked to the king of Syria and he said, hey, I'll write a letter to the king of Israel and let him know that you're coming and ask that the prophet Elisha might, might heal you. So he does that. The king of Israel gets the letter, and it seems like he's he's annoyed. He says, am I God to kill and to make alive, and that this man descend unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. So he's saying, I, I don't know how, he, how to heal you from leprosy, and I don't really quite understand, because I, I think probably clearly he was looking for Elisha to heal. Maybe he didn't want to ask Elisha or something like that, but nevertheless, Elisha hears about it and he says, no, 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 send him to me. So Naaman came to Elisha's house. And when he got there, Elisha sent a messenger to the door. And he says, the messenger says, go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come unto thee again and thou shalt be clean. And that made Naaman angry. He, it made him angry that Elijah himself didn't come. And it also made him angry that it was so simple. It was so easy. And it, it, I think it probably seemed condescending to him. Naaman says, surely he will come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And then he seems to have this, this pride in his own nation. And he says, are not Abana and Farfar, Farpar, I don't know how to say that river, rivers of Damascus better than all the waters in Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. 
So he's he's not only offended that Elisha didn't come directly out to him, but he's also offended that it's river, the River Jordan in Israel that he's supposed to wash in. And then his wise servants came to him and they said, my father, which is a term of respect, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith unto thee, wash and be clean. So this seems to, to humble Naaman. And it says, then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Okay, so Naaman is healed. He's grateful. He acknowledges that Elisha is a man of God and that there is a God in Israel. Oh, and I just realized I never said what chapter I'm in. So this is 2 Kings chapter 5. Okay, so... This small and simple act really tested Naaman. He felt offended. He felt like, what? Go wash seven times in in the River Jordan of all places. And he felt like he was, maybe he was too great for that or that was too simple. Maybe he felt like his his problem was too big for that and it required some big display of power. Now that brings to mind... 1 Nephi chapter 16, verse 29, and thus we see that by small means the Lord can bring about great things. Why do you think that the Lord uses small things to bring about great things? Why not great things? He can do great things, right? Why did Elisha not come out to Naaman? The Lord must have given him some sort of inspiration that perhaps Naaman needed this test. He needed to have to do a small thing to have that faith. Let's talk about some other scriptures that say the same thing. It's said over and over and over again in the scriptures. So then we have Alma 37, verse 7. And the Lord God doth work by means to bring about his great and eternal purposes. And by very small means, the Lord bringeth about the salvation of many souls. Next, we have 1 Nephi chapter 17, verse 41. And in in this verse, he's talking about the story of Moses with the fiery serpents. And then he put uh, the image of a serpent on a rod and all the people had to do was look and live. So that's the context of this. And he did straighten them in the wilderness with his rod, for they hardened their hearts, even as ye have. And the Lord straightened them because of their iniquity. He sent fiery flying serpents among them. And after they were bitten, he prepared a way that they might be healed. And the labor which they had to perform was to look, and because of the simpleness of the way and the easiness of it, there were many who perished. Doctrine and Covenants 64 verse 33, Wherefore, be not weary in well-doing, for ye are laying the foundation of a great work, and out of small things proceedeth that which is great. Alma 37 verse 6, Now ye may suppose that it is foolishness in me, But behold, I say unto you that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass, and by small means in many instances doth confound the wise. Okay, so clearly this is a theme for the Lord. He works by small and simple means, and I think with a purpose. We see here with Naaman that Elisha clearly knew that Naaman needed to swallow a little bit of humble pie before his faith was adequate in order to be healed. Now, what small and simple things is the Lord trying to use in order to heal us? You know how in church we we have what's called primary answers? When you want to answer a question in Sunday school, 
and you just say the most simple things like read your scriptures, say your prayers, go to the temple, obey the commandments. Those are some pretty simple answers, especially I think something that I have struggled with throughout my life is is prayer. I think I still am am learning how to pray in a way that that feels like I'm really talking to someone. It's something I've always struggled with, but that is a small and simple thing that we are told is powerful. Our prophet likewise gives us simple things that we need to do in order to stay spiritually safe. And this last general conference was no exception. He gave us five very simple things that we can do in order to, he gave us a promise. He says, I promise you the ability to move forward on the covenant path with increased momentum, despite whatever obstacles you face. And I promise you greater strength to resist temptation, more peace of mind, freedom from fear, and greater unity in your families. Now, all of those things are miraculous to have an increased measure of in these crazy days on the earth. Think of someone who doesn't have what we have. And I'm not even just talking about members members of the church, although we are given additional power because of what we have. But if you don't have a testimony of Jesus Christ, if you don't know that God is in charge and that everything's going to turn out how he always intended for it to turn out, can you imagine them listening to that and knowing what's going on in the world right now and be thinking that someone can have increased spiritual momentum despite whatever obstacles you face, greater strength to resist temptation, more peace of mind. I mean, that one would, I think, just blow anybody's mind that that's actually possible, that you can have greater peace of mind despite all the things that are going on around us. Freedom from fear and greater unity in your families. Those things are miracles and they are not small. But the things that we are asked to do can often be perceived as small and simple things. Things that we might, maybe we don't actively think, oh, that's too small for me. And clearly that's not actually going to bring these miraculous qualities into my life, especially if you're feeling far from them. But what the Lord needs us to do is realize that by small things, great things are brought to pass. So let's talk about the small things, the five small things that President Nelson has asked us to do to bring about those miracles he promised us. He says, first, get on the covenant path and stay there. Ordinances and covenants give us access to godly power. The covenant path is the only path that leads to exaltation and eternal life. I know we've talked about this before, but think about the simpleness of of entering into a covenant. And I'm not talking about what what goes on in your head. That might be a lot more complex. But think about being baptized. It is it's short. It's very simple. But it is an important step to getting on the covenant path that leads us to exaltation and eternal life. Think about the temple ordinances. They are not complex. And yet, they are so important to our exaltation and eternal life. And perhaps it's the simpleness of them that sometimes makes it hard for us to truly value them for what they are. Get on the covenant path and stay there. 
Number two, he says, discover the joy of daily repentance. He says, please do not fear or delay repenting. Satan delights in your misery. Cut it short. Cast his influence out of your life. Start today to experience the joy of putting off the natural man. The Savior loves us always, but especially when we repent. He promised that though the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, my kindness shall not depart from thee. Think about the gravity of sin in general, any sin, when we are removing ourselves from God. And then considering the gravity of of all of the sins that we commit throughout our lives, think about how simple repentance is. All we need do is repent and we can be made clean and whole again. That is a simple thing that brings about something great. All right, number three, learn about God and how he works. He says, one of our greatest challenges today is distinguishing between the truths of God and the counterfeits of Satan. That is why the Lord warned us to pray always that we may conquer Satan and escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. With frightening speed, a testimony that is not nourished daily by the good word of God can crumble. Thus, the antidote to Satan's scheme is clear. We need daily experiences, worshiping the Lord and studying his gospel. I plead with you to let God prevail in your life. Give him a fair share of your time. As you do, notice what happens to your positive spiritual momentum. One of my favorite things that has happened to me over the last few years, especially since doing this podcast, is my ability to clearly see when Satan is trying to mimic truth and he's trying to trip me up. It's not like it's hard. When you are in tune with the spirit, it is easy to see what is false and what is true. When I am in tune with the spirit, I don't sit there and agonize and spend a long time being confused about what is true and what is not. The spirit makes it clear. And I testify to you, that that is a very real thing. Number four, seek and expect miracles. The Lord will bless you with miracles if you believe in him, doubting nothing. Do the spiritual work to seek miracles. Prayerfully ask God to help you exercise that kind of faith. I promise that you can experience for yourself that Jesus Christ giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Few things will accelerate your spiritual momentum more than realizing the Lord is helping you to move a mountain in your life. As we live our lives, let's not be like the people Moroni was talking about in Mormon chapter 9. He says, And now if ye have imagined up unto yourself a God who doth vary, and in whom there is shadow of changing, then ye have imagined up unto yourselves a God who is not a God of miracles. Are we ever guilty of that? Do we think that God cannot work small and large miracles in our life? Verse 11, But behold, I will show unto you a God of miracles, even the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And it is the same God who created the heavens and the earth, and all things that in them are. Behold, he created Adam, and by Adam came the fall of man. And because of the fall of man came Jesus Christ, even the Father and the Son. And because of Jesus Christ came the redemption of man. And because of the redemption of man, which came by Jesus Christ, they are brought back into the presence of the Lord. Yea, this is wherein all men are redeemed. Because the death of Christ bringeth to pass the resurrection, which bringeth to pass a redemption from an endless sleep. 
from which sleep all men shall be awakened by the power of God, when the trump shall sound, and they shall come forth both small and great, and all shall stand before his bar, being redeemed and loosed from this eternal band of death, which death is a temporal death. And then cometh the judgment of the Holy One upon them. And then cometh the time that he that is filthy shall be filthy still, but he that is righteous shall be righteous still. And he that is happy shall be happy still. And he that is unhappy shall be unhappy still. And now, O all ye that have imagined up unto yourselves a God who can do no miracles, I would ask of you, have all these things passed of which I have spoken? Has the end come yet? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. And God has not ceased to be a God of miracles. Behold, are not the things that God hath wrought marvelous in our eyes? Yea, and who can comprehend the marvelous works of God? Who shall say that it was not a miracle, that by his word the heaven and the earth should be, and by the power of his word man was created of the dust of the earth, and by the power of his word hath miracles been wrought? And who shall say that Jesus Christ did not do many mighty miracles? And there were many mighty miracles wrought by the hands of the apostles. And if there were miracles wrought then, why has God ceased to be a God of miracles and yet be an unchangeable being? And behold, I say unto you, he changeth not. If so, he would cease to be God. And he ceaseth not to be God and is a God of miracles. And the reason why he ceaseth to do miracles among the children of men is because that they dwindle in unbelief and depart from the right way and know not the God in whom they should trust. God has not ceased to be a God of miracles. I firmly believe that you can seek and expect miracles. I believe that most of those miracles will look like dramatic or small changes in your life that you cannot deny the Lord had a hand in. Sometimes I get caught up in the thought that I want to have the kind of faith that these, these prophets of the Old Testament or the apostles of the New Testament or, or the prophets of, of the Book of Mormon had that produced these science-defying miracles. And sometimes I think, what kind of faith would I have to have? And how do I, how do I get there where I have the kind of faith that if it's God, God's will, some sort of incredible science-defying miraculous thing would happen? And although I think that's cool to think about, I think we underestimate the value of having faith in these small things that President Nelson has asked us to have faith in, that we can seek and expect miracles in our life. Do we believe that those, those problems in our life, that God can conquer them with a miracle? Do we believe that he truly can change hearts and minds through his word? Is that not a miracle? Do we believe that as we sin and we come to him in repentance, that we can truly be wiped clean? Is that not a miracle? To see miracles, we don't need great, grand displays. We just need to have faith and they will be made apparent that God is undeniably in the details of your life. All right, the last challenge from President Nelson. End conflict in your personal life. And he repeats this challenge twice. He said it at the beginning of his talk before he told us he was going to give us a list of five things. And then he included it in his list. My call today, dear brothers and sisters, is to end conflicts that are raging in your heart 
your home, and your life. Bury any and all inclinations to hurt others, whether those inclinations be a temper, a sharp tongue, or a resentment for someone who has hurt you. The Savior commanded us to turn the other cheek, to love our enemies, to pray for them who despitefully use us. It can be painful to let go of anger that feels so justified. It can seem impossible to forgive those whose destructive actions have hurt the innocent. And yet, the Savior admonished us to forgive all men. Are we like Naaman? Do we expect some grand display in order to heal our hearts and our homes and our lives? Or are we willing to do the small and simple things that our prophet who speaks for God, has told us will bring us increased spiritual momentum despite whatever obstacles we face and greater strength to resist temptation, more peace of mind, freedom from fear, and greater unity in our families. Those are not small things. And I promise that as you do these things, the Lord will produce undeniable miracles in your life. Now, we call these things small and simple, but for instance, end personal conflict in your life, for some, that might be a small and simple thing, but for others, that might feel insurmountable. And maybe the pursuit of that insurmountable thing is part of your miracle. However, to the claim that it's too great, it's too hard to forgive someone who has wronged you so badly, I would reply Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 122, verse 7. The Lord speaking to Joseph Smith. If thou shouldst be cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and the elements combine to hedge up thy way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open, the mouth wide after thee, know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. The Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Therefore, hold on thy way. My challenge to you today is to be like the Naaman that swallowed his pride and had faith that this small and simple thing of washing in the River Jordan would be able to cure him from this horrific disease. In saying small and simple things, I am not saying that the problems and challenges you have in your life are small. But for he who descended below all things, they have already been defeated. They have already been paid for. All we have to do is accept it. Do the small and simple things he has asked us to do, not require some great, grand, lavish miracle in front of our face, but embrace the simple words of our living prophet. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.